Our reading this morning is taken from Romans chapter 5 and verses 12 through to 21. This is which is the passage that Tim will be focusing on in just a few minutes. So let's read this together. Romans verse 5, chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned, for before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as Adam did, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin, The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, Just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was the justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Before Ken Redfuss from Romans 5, Paul draws an extended contrast between the effects on us of Adam's disobedience and of the grace which has come to us through Jesus Christ, which brings to an end the universal reign of death over humanity. And in 5.17 Paul says that if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Death no longer reigns over us. We reign in life. His words invite us to pause and and consider, engage in some personal reflection. Does death rule over me? Or am I reigning in life? Am I subjugated to death? Or am I liberated to choose life in all its fullness? Am I doomed to die? Or am I free to live life to the full? Paul makes it clear that the grace of of Christ sets us free to reign in life. Notice how the contrast he draws is deliberately inexact. To be precise, the opposite of death reigning would be to say that life is reigning. But that's not what Paul says. 
Instead of death reigning over us in Christ, we reign in life. So there's a double benefit. Not only do we move from death to life, but we also move from being subject to death to reigning in life. We are no longer slaves to death. We are lords in life. What's that mean? At one level Paul is saying that Christ has beaten death for us. For those who are in Christ, death is no longer the end. Yes, with or without the help of the coronavirus, these physical mortal bodies will and must die. But the resurrection hope is that these bodies will be raised immortal and eternal. In Christ, your existence does not end with you rotting in the grave. God has destined you for eternal life. And so we have a living hope, and the knowledge that this is the case means that we are no longer ultimately under the control of death. We have been set free from death to live life in all its fullness, starting now, lasting for eternity. But this has implications not just for the ultimate outcome of our lives, but also for our whole approach to living in the present. If death reigns, then that can inculcate within us a sense of helplessness. There's nothing we can do that will make any difference. There's no point to anything. We might as well resign ourselves to fatalism. If we say it's fate... It means there's nothing we can do about the future. What will be, what will be, and we are totally incapable of altering or changing it at all. The only option open to us is a kind of passive acceptance that there is nothing we can do that will change the outcome, so there's no point in doing anything. Just resignation is the only option open to us. And if we say something is fatal... That means that it has ended or is bound to end in death. If we say it's fatal, that means that's it. It's the end. It's over. It's finished. And from that you get the fatalistic attitude that says, what's the point? I'm a fatalist. I just have to resign myself to my future inevitable fate. I'm powerless to do anything else. And then we end up being stuck in a kind of victim mentality. Life just goes on around us. Bad things happen to us and there's nothing we can do. There's no point in trying to make a difference and because you can't, there's no point in taking responsibility for anything. All we can do is blame others or our circumstances for our plights and we look for ways to escape our sense of unhappiness with who we are or our situation. And it's that kind of mindset that comes where people have death reigning over them. Because they're not really living, just existing. But that's not what God had in mind when he created you. And the good news is, and it's true, that those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through Jesus Christ. And what Jesus does is he changes us from being people who say all the time, it's too difficult for me. There's no point in trying. I can't. 
I'd give it up to people who say, I can. I love this sequence of pictures where the T of can't is in the shape of a cross. Which Jesus comes and takes hold of it, he picks it up and carries it away up the hill to Calvary and it becomes the cross on which he died. And without that cross, without that T, the I can't is changed. So that in Christ we say, I can. Because of what Jesus has done for us. Because of his death on the cross for us. See, Jesus sets people free from the reign of death and empowers us to choose life, to live life, to reign in life. Some people have a deeply flawed perception of Christians and what Christianity is all about. They see us as the passive ones. The ones who believe in God because that's easier than taking responsibility for who we are. Or they see us as the ones who are quite fatalistic, simply believing that what will be what will be because you can't interfere with God's will. But Romans 5.17 blows those ideas out of the water, declares them to be false. We reign in life through Jesus Christ. We're not automatons doing whatever we are programmed or told to do. No, we are people who take responsibility for our lives. We are people who are empowered to choose what is good. We don't succumb to our inevitable fate with a fatalistic attitude. God says you reign in life. That means you have the power to live your life. You have the the decision-making capacity. You can make decisions that affect your life and its outcome. We are people who take responsibility for our own lives and accept our God-given responsibility for who we are and for the well-being of the world in which we live. According to Psalm 8, our mandate is to rule on God's behalf over all the works of his hands, the flocks, the herds, the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish in the sea. All things have been put under our feet. We have a responsibility for the well-being of the planet. And rather than being instruments of death, bringing destruction on the world God created, we are called to rule over it in life. Which is why the well-being of our planet needs to be, and rightly is, high on our agenda as Christians. There's no room for the fatalistic attitude that says, nothing I do is going to make any difference. Death is going to come whatever I do. No, God says, in Christ you reign in life. So you are not helpless. You can make a difference by how you live, the decisions that you take. And so wherever the opportunity presents itself, we embrace life. We choose life. We make decisions that bring life, rather than resigning ourselves to death. And if that applies to the planet, it applies even more to our own lives. Where we've got locked into passivity, helplessness, hopelessness, pointlessness, where death has reigned in our hearts and our minds, Christ is the one who sets us free to reign in life. And to bring about that fundamental change in heart and mind that is the most crucial change of all. You can take someone where death is reigning over them and you can put them in a completely different set of circumstances. 
But if the inner attitude remains one of fatalistic hopelessness, if death continues to reign in their heart and mind, pretty soon, however much you change the setting in which they live, they will end up right back where they started again. Because it's the inner change that makes all the difference. If God changes your heart and mind, if he brings you out of death into life in here, then he empowers you to start living. To find ways of moving out of the mindset that death has used to tie you down and stunt your life. In Christ, God empowers you to live. And he does that for the weakest of us. It's so easy for us to feel disempowered. To suppose, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm not good enough. I'm not clever enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not confident enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not influential enough. I don't have the contacts, the means, the ability. And to those of us who feel like that, Christ says, let me give you the surpassing abundance of my grace. Grace is God saying to you, you can do it. And I will help you. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to be frightened of failing. I will bring you out of death into life. I will be there for you. I will be there with you every step of the way. And where your own emotional resources are lacking, God gives you his unconditional love and approval and with that comes courage beyond your own. So that death no longer reigns over you, rendering you helpless. But God's grace enables you to reign in life. It's God's grace that enables you to make life-changing decisions. It's God's grace that lifts you to your feet and enables you to see that your efforts are not in vain. And once God's grace has lifted us to our feet as we begin to take those first faltering steps, God in his grace comes alongside us to take our arms so we can lean on him and walk further than we dreamed would ever be possible. And is God's grace big enough, powerful enough, strong enough, sufficient enough to do this for you? Yes, even for you it's more than enough. Paul's language runs away as he, as he fishes the superlative to try and describe the grace of God God pours a rich, abundant grace, a supply of his grace into your life. And that's so often the message translation captures the vividness of the biblical rhetoric. Can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes, sovereign life, in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right, that the one man Jesus Christ prevails. And faith says, yes! Let that be true for me. I want that. I need it. I believe it can turn my life around. Lord, set me free to reign in life. Give me your grace to turn my life around. And with this abundance of God's grace comes as well the gift of righteousness. This is God's gift to people who failed to people who've got it badly wrong, to people who've taken the wrong path in life and find themselves in a bad place as a result, who find themselves trapped, imprisoned by their past. And in his gift of righteousness, God gives us a fresh start, a new beginning. 
A mind that isn't controlled by a sense of guilt over past failures. Instead, you turn to a fresh page. And with God's grace, begin to live life differently. Because Jesus is the one who empowers you to reign in life. In the film, Nine and a Half, the whole nine yards, Bruce Willis plays a hitman who's killed however many people in the past. No one knows. His name was terrified of him. And he said, you've killed so many people. And the Bruce Willis character says, doesn't matter how many people I've killed. He says, what counts is how I'm getting along now with the people who are still alive. <laughs> and grace sets you free from the past, turns you out, enables you to live life a different way. Jesus, Jesus is the key to all this. He's the one who takes the tea out of cards so that from now on, you can. He's the one who comes and sits down next to you, wherever you are, and says, come on, you can do this. I'm going to help you up. He's the one who took the guilt and shame of your past failures to the cross, giving you instead his gift of righteousness, so that you can make a fresh start. He's the one who can set you free from the reign of death, and empower you to reign in life, here and now, and for eternity. And all it takes on your part is a three-word prayer. Jesus, save me. Does that mean your problems will be solved overnight? Solved overnight? No. But that act of turning to him, that act of putting your trust in him, of being prepared to lean on him and walk with him, that is the life-changing decision. And as you learn what it means to live as someone who has received his gift of righteousness, And as you learn to draw on the abundant provision of God's grace to you in Christ, you will find that he does just what he promises. He will empower you to reign in life. So is today the day where you take the life-changing decision to say no to death? I'm not going to give in to your reign anymore. And yes to Jesus. Jesus saved me, helped me to reign in life. It's a decision that any one of us can take at any point. Is today the day when you make that decision? And if you want to talk to someone or pray with someone about doing that, then people who are available in the prayer corner, they want to talk with me or Michael or another Christian here whom you know and trust. Or you might just in the quietness of your heart want to say, Jesus, save me. Bring me from death, so that I can reign in life for you. Let's spend a moment in quiet. <coughs> if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that those words hold good for me.